our culture itself gives us really fucked up messages about desirability and bodies and sex as well. I mean, it's not solely on the shoulders of the church. Our society is continually barraging us with images of the type of bodies that are worthy of desire. And it's a very narrow margin, constantly being shown this is the body that's worthy of desire. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Sasha, your host of the BBXX podcast. So I wanted to introduce a bit of a new series of interviews we're doing. We've decided to launch a series of Instagram Live interviews to help us stay connected to you. And we're launching this series first, but we're also planning some other exciting content releases from short format audio to more casual discussions, as well as some IGTV videos. So be sure to tune in on your preferred platform or how about just all of them? So stay tuned for announcements on the BBXX podcast and stay tuned on our Instagram at bbxx.world. And if you don't already, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter where every week we send out tons of amazing content recommendations, the show notes for all of our interviews, a Q&A article, and lots more. Hello, hello. I'm excited today to bring you an IG Live with Nadia Bowles-Weber. Here she is. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. I'm Amazing. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. Glad so, to be here. I was just going to share with everybody that we're here to celebrate what here at BBXX we are calling Sexual Liberation Month. And of course, we're always celebrating the life-changing magic of liberating yourself from shame. So thanks so much for being a part of this celebration. And I wanted to just have a few questions and we'll see where this takes us. Okay, perfect. So I'm sure for all of the people who follow you and for anybody tuning in from BBXX, I wanted to just invite you to share a bit about yourself for context and to share why you think this topic of shame, sexual liberation, and also kind of the influence of religion is important to everybody regardless of their religious affiliation or lack thereof. Well, I think my basic concern for all of this comes in two varieties. One is pastoral as a clergy person, like seeing the harm that the teachings of the church did in the developing sexual psyches of my parishioners and how much shame that they carried around because of bullshit that the church taught them. And then secondly is personal because of my own story and my own experiences. And even if people weren't raised crazy conservative Christian like I was, it's still like in the ether in our culture. I mean, a lot of that stuff we just kind of absorb from the culture, even if we weren't raised in the pews. The idea of what sexual purity is, what a good girl is, what's okay to do, what's not okay, how you should feel. Also, I mean, our culture itself gives us really fucked up messages about desirability and bodies and 
sex as well. I mean, it's not solely on the shoulders of the church. Our society is continually barraging us with images of the type of bodies that are worthy of desire. And it's a very narrow margin, constantly being shown, this is the body that's worthy of desire. So much so that here I am, 52 years old, having the best sex of my life. And if you had told me that at 20, I'd be like, oh my, middle-aged people don't have sex. I mean, even that, like we don't even have images, normalized images for desire and sex and eroticism for people 40 even. Even like you said, pop culture, do you hear music, top hits about people post 40, post 60 having great sex or Thankfully, in the movies, it's starting to make its way in. I remember yes. um, last summer yeah. seeing, actually, it was a Chilean film called Gloria, and yes. seeing like hot, fun hookup sex in a, a right. film about older people. And I was like, where has this been all my life? I mean, sexuality, eroticism, desire. It's endless in its variety, and yet we're only sort of served certain flavors of it. And then we think, if that's not how we are naturally, something must be wrong with us. Yeah, of course, it's our fault, and we should feel shameful. And it's like that fast food where like this tiny little taste or the edge or the, the fast version rather than like, oh, no, this is a meal. This is like 18 course meal throughout your life with multiple rounds of dessert and different things. I always relate sexuality and desire to everything else in your life. It's the same. There are ups, there are downs. You change your style and clothing, your preferences in food, your preferences in partner. Of course, your preferences in everything, including sex and desire, are also going to change and evolve and mature maturity for some reason when it has to do with people and like getting older we don't even though we should see as this amazing growing into yourself and learning and the wisdom and the confidence the confidence oh my god i'm so not hung up like i used to be i mean the lack of self-consciousness like i'm not self-conscious as a sexual partner in a way that i was definitely self-conscious in my you know 20s so yeah, that kind of self-confidence, self-assurance, and uh, just tuning out all the noise that is keeps trying to get itself right. in the way of you and, like, enjoying life and right. being human. And you, you kind of touched on that body image, but one of my favorite stories to share with people is when I was traveling with my aunt, who's now in her late 60s, and we were getting ready to go to the pool, and she was just sitting there putting on her swimsuit. She was like, you know... When I was young, like I was really skinny. I had a great body, whatever. And like, I never felt good about it and I didn't enjoy it. And I was always trying to change it. And you know, I've never felt better about my body than I do now. It's not the most traditionally great body or whatever, but I'm so grateful for everything it's given me and all of the like opportunities and what it's allowed me. Like, I love my body. My body is amazing. Yeah, and I yeah, just yeah. like, how can everyone in the world get, like, those 60-odd years of perspective faster? Totally. And not to mention the amount of energy and money and emotional stress that especially women 
waste on wishing our bodies were different. I mean, there's a billion dollar industry that's really reliant on the dissatisfaction of our bodies. If women could funnel all of that into climate change and like education, (laughs) like it would change the whole planet. Unfortunately, we're busy trying to lose five fucking pounds. Which like we won't even remember. And even if we do, then you'll be like, oh, I'm too scared. Your butt's no longer big enough. You lost weight. So now your butt isn't big enough, whatever (laughs) it is. Like there's endless criticism that we and the world around us can create about ourselves. Yeah. And that part how you said it's not just religion, but pop culture. And then the relationship between culture and faith and religion and all of that always tell people, okay, yeah, separation of church and state, but what's printed on our dollar bill, the currency on which the country and debatably the world, and like, unfortunately, we as capitalistic brainwashed humans run, it has printed in God we trust. So even if somebody doesn't identify as necessarily being religious, this all shapes the world around us. And I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I wouldn't consider it religious, but I did. I was actually baptized, confirmed, first communion confirmed and all of that. I did go to a Jesuit high school, but it was in such a liberal area and we never really identified as being religious. And yet, whether how much of it had to do with religion or not, I had this moment at 20 years old where I was like, wow, this aha moment when I discovered my clitoris and masturbated for the first time in my life. And I was like, I had no idea how much shame I was holding on to. My entire world has been backwards. And like, I had no clue how much it had really subtly and subconsciously, you know, again, whether how much was from any religion or a lot of it, like the conversations around me, even in high school and even among girls and women debatably just as negative conversations about body about pleasure about sex sexuality whatever in that moment thinking wow how have I been holding on to this much shame and where did it come from and that was really the beginning of this whole thing that now years later has become BBXX so I totally relate to all of this and trying to help people recognize whether at this moment they know it or not sometimes you don't know what you're holding on to until you let go of it. Right. So what, what role did that in your personal story that you kind of alluded to, how would you describe like the way that shame and liberation was able to transform your relationship with yourself and everybody else? Well, if I'm honest, I was raised such conservative Christian where all of the teachings about what it meant to be good and not, going too far and save yourself for marriage and all that purity stuff. And girls should not wear anything low cut because that would really tempt the boys. All of these messages, like basically don't wear tight clothes or revealing clothes. Don't lean in too much to it. Like basically constantly being told that as a girl, you are responsible for the sexual arousal of boys. And that once they're aroused past a certain point, they can't help themselves. So rape culture and purity culture being very, very, very intertwined. And I was raised with all of that. And I don't have an explanation for this, but somehow all that stuff didn't really 
past the blood brain barrier. Like somehow once I had sex for the first time when I was 17, I was so lucky because my first partner was somebody who was a few years older and really experienced and a really generous lover. And like, so my first experience with sex was really great. And somehow I didn't have the like, oh, I'm so ashamed. Like, I didn't have that. I was like, oh, this is for me. Like, this is definitely my thing now. And so I was immediately just like, I'm good with this. I love this. What it did do was create a lot of secrecy in my life. So what happened was because I was raised in that subculture, I had no adults to talk to. I had nobody who was a non-anxious presence in the face of conversations about sex that could be very matter of fact with me, mm-hmm. that could give me good advice. And so in a sense, what it caused was secrecy and separation because of that. And so there was nobody to ask questions. There was no one to support me or help me in that time. So that's what happened with me. But then the way it did show up was just later when I was ordained, I had to sign a piece of paper that said that I would be faithful in marriage or celibate in singleness. And I was married at the time. And it wasn't a problem because I was celibate in marriage. (laughs) I was like in this sexless marriage. And so I didn't think about until we went through a very friendly divorce. And when Eric, my partner, and I got together five years ago, when I was having sex again, and it was with somebody I was really had incredible chemistry with, it was a completely different experience. And it felt like this exfoliation of my entire spirit and I thought it was, it just felt incredible. And then I was like, why did the church make me sign a piece of paper saying I wouldn't do this? So even the ELCA, which is a really progressive denomination in a lot of ways, still has this holdover. And it's not even our theology. I think we borrowed it from the Baptists. I'm like, can we give it back? That's not even how we think about things. But that's when it kind of broke down. And when I decided to write Shameless was because of that. I mean, the exfoliation of my entire spirit, I love that really like uh, allows you to really feel that. And I think it's amazing how you were able to, again, it didn't break the blood brain barrier or navigate your way around these things or realize, oh no, this makes me feel good. So if this makes me feel good, this can't be that bad versus there are so many people who they can't even get to the point where they allow themselves to feel good there's so much that kind of guilt and shame and that point about rape culture and purity culture being intertwined is fascinating but yeah yeah, that and either way even though you were able to break through that i feel good so this Mm -hmm. can't be that bad but the cognitive dissonance or the secrecy and separation like you mentioned that creates where it's like okay but even if I in my own life can manage to navigate this, I still can't engage in the conversations, the dialogue that is needed to say here at BBXX, change the culture and the conversations surrounding intimacy and relationships and raise the bar as a whole, you're kind of siphoned off and okay, you're saved from a part of that, but then you can't reach out to other people and and get that message out. I mean, I wish sex in our culture was just so much more matter of fact. And I wish that the way we talk to young people, like educating 
about sex and sexuality included, like, what does it mean to be a generous lover? Like, what does that mean? Educating young people about, look, this isn't just second, doesn't just sort of come. It's something you have to learn about yourself. You have to have curiosity about yourself. You have to have curiosity and communication with the partner and really talking about that, not just you should use a condom and make sure you have consent. Like it might save people from just decades of bad sex, honestly. Yeah. Let alone all the other stuff, but like, Yes. How can we save every, how can we, the same example, like with my aunt, how can we just fast forward, like, and get all the knowledge and wisdom instead of living through 50 years of bad sex or no sex, following the rules, but you still can end up. And I've worked with a lot of people working with clients and people to overcome the sexual shame. And just last week, somebody was telling me, they said, I followed all the rules. They also were raised in purity culture. They said, I followed all the rules. I did everything I was supposed to. And I was supposed to get to this marriage where I had amazing sex, where I was rewarded for everything I had done right leading up to that moment. And so how then did I end up in this relationship where the person later was, you know, not treated fairly not respectfully, was not having this amazing mind-blowing sex, whether it's other couples I've talked to where they're like, okay, we got married and then we had to spend five years learning how to have sex. Totally. Or total lack of intimacy. Mm -hmm. Like, how can we spare everybody that through creating this space, this dialogue and the connection, like you said, this creates secrecy and separation. How can we create conversation and connection instead? It's almost like going, driver's ed is very dangerous. So (laughs) when you're of age and you are able to buy a car, then you can just start driving and you'll know how and you'll be fine. And it would be so dangerous if, if you learned anything about driving or had any experience practicing driving before you got behind the wheel of your own car. I mean, it's not a perfect metaphor, but if- It is the best metaphor I have heard up until this point. It just feels like completely illogical. I mean, I have heard that story so many times. When I was doing interviews for my book, I heard that story a lot. I was good. I did exactly what I was told because you're sold a bill of goods. If you wait, it's gonna be so much better. And some- fucking hipster pastor talking about his smoking hot wife, Trish, like laying down on this stupid stuff for teenagers, you know, telling, if you just wait, it's going to be so much better. Maybe there are people for whom that's true. I don't know, but you cannot flip a switch on your wedding night and go from relating for most of your life to sex, relating to sex as dirty and dangerous and to be avoided and to not go too far and to always be vigilant and to always check yourself and to not do the bad things. And then you flip a switch on your wedding night and suddenly it's like natural and it's good and everything's flowing and you know what you're doing. And it's like fucking fireworks. It doesn't work like that. Oh my God. And that whole part again, where people 
think, okay, this isn't even about the body. This is about the mind. And like you said, when you've been so deeply ingrained with all that, you can't just, okay, reverse psychology, like liberate yourself from everything you've believed up until this moment in your life. It's now just forget it all. Like now actually go the opposite, try whatever you want, do whatever you want and forget all that messaging. Like that gear switch is not possible. No, because you have to detoxify. There has to be a process of detox from that yeah. shit. This isn't about the body. This is about the mind and that like muscle memory of trauma or of the this messaging. And going back to the driving metaphor, like, okay, yeah, you imagine yourself cruising down the highway, top down, like driving up Malibu and like right. actually you end up crashing and the airbag goes off in your face and like no, you're, you're like wait this is a stick shift yeah. there's like a clutch and there's gears and i and you're like <laughs> oh yeah yeah you can't even find the clutch you can't and then no it one stalls. where the clutch is and how important it is and then it stalls you know yeah and so i mean i'm seeing so many people here relating to this and that's what i think the most like tragic and beautiful thing about all of this is again it transcends any specific denomination or even religion itself so much of this comes from pop culture and all these other influences and that was part of my realization as somebody yes there was some religious influence in my life but beyond that i was born and raised in the san francisco bay area and literally from one of the most liberal places in the san francisco bay area if not the world yeah and the realization okay i think this backwards and have had everything so wrong and have been brainwashed to such an extent like where is everybody else in the world if this is like probably as good as it gets in a sense i mean people have we have a lot of of work to do i mean for me i can say that when i was married and had that whole part of me just shut down I was priggish. I mean, there was a sense that I was kind of prudish in the sense that I didn't want to be, I was, I mean, jealousy is not my go-to sin. It's not what I default to. I have others. But if I knew someone was having really good sex, like they had a great sex life, I would be insanely jealous. I didn't want to hear people talk about sex. I didn't want to be around any kind of blue humor. I couldn't do it. I was shut down. So that kind of gives me some compassion for when people, when that part of their lives is hard for them. But also what it's done is made me go, I want for other people, unless they're asexual or just not interested or whatever, I want people to have really good sex. Like I do, like it's, it's like this pastoral concern actually that I have for people that I want people in my life to have sexual flourishing. And so, and I'm not talking like kink and crazy shit. I mean, and that's fine if people are into that. That's not even what I'm talking about. I'm just saying deeply connected to their sexual psyches and to what ignites that like magical part of them. What I wanted to say is you're talking about this desire for, okay, I want people to have really good sex. And what's beyond that? Because it's not just the sex itself. It's what's underneath and what that represents or celebrates. Like what else is it beyond and beneath that is your desire for people to have as a result? I mean, I can just say from my own experience, the Mm -hmm. difference 
yeah. between that part of me being fully alive or completely shut down. I'm more open as a person. Like everything about me is softer in my approach to life, my approach to myself, mm. my approach to my body. Everything about me is softer. There was a hardness to me years ago that mm -hmm. I don't really need anymore. Anne Lamott in her most recent book talks about a friend of hers says that when you first meet him, you're really meeting his bodyguard. I'm obsessed with that idea. So for a long time, my bodyguard was on duty all the time. I mean, I had this emotional exoskeleton that I moved through the world with. And part of it was this deep sadness I didn't want anybody to know about or see because that part of my life was so shut down. And I don't need that anymore. So that's been a sort of shift for me. Yeah. Um, and also the irony is like realizing like some of the messaging I got when I was a kid, I'm like, I don't know, maybe that's actually true. Like I'm a deeply and very naturally monogamous person. Like it's, it's not an ethic to me. It's very much how I'm wired. So all of that stuff is very much operative in a connection with a very particular person. Mm -hmm. So it's not up for grabs for anyone else. I can't even make myself even somewhat feel that with somebody else. Like, it's just not who I am. Yeah. And so learning that, like, some of the stuff that I learned was about, like, well, when you feel that safe with somebody, there's this thing that can kind of develop and to grow. And I have had that experience, mm -hmm. absolutely, and it keeps deepening. And so I think there's a little bit of humility to go, okay, well, there's this one thing I was taught that I've actually kind of experienced to be true. Most of it was bullshit, but that one thing. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. And what kind of, from both from my experience and kind of listening to you and from everything I know, I love that word softer and what's behind the bodyguard or the facade in a way and connecting with that. And again, going back to that secrecy and separation, like mm -hmm. those are ingredients that do not allow for connection. And so it sounds as though it created an opportunity for deeper understanding and connection with yourself. And I know that for me, that's kind of where this obsession of wanting to, you know, when I had that moment where I realized, oh my God, everything I know is a lie. And like, I lifted kind of this shame that I hadn't realized I had been holding on to and that weight was kind of taking off this filter and like, okay, now I can actually begin to explore and understand myself. And I'm not just talking about like anatomy and physically and pleasure, no, no. but sexuality as a way to better understand your own identity and to connect with yourself and your feelings. And I really think this is sort of a cause and effect. And so you can't really reach that, you know, what we'll call really good or great sex, which again is more of like, an emotional spiritual it's not like a logistical term that we're yeah. using without right. that connection and so it's this cause and effect of connection with yourself love for yourself acceptance authenticity allows for this to happen and right. can be deepened as yeah. a result of engaging yeah. in that experience that Absolutely. You know, connection is deepened and really creating this cycle that can overcome these other ingredients shame separation okay. i'm like loving the alliteration here <laughs> and you know strengthen the key ingredients that again make us feel good but that are sometimes hard to reach 
I feel like maybe another way to say it is that like it allows us to discover that we have more surface area to ourselves than we knew. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? There's more to me what I'm able to experience, who I'm able to be than I knew. And that the erotic part of my life in this safe sort of contained way allows a lot of play within that so that I can experience myself as more softer, bigger, smaller than I think I am in my just daily life. More dynamic. And I, I love that you bring that up because when people say, oh, what's your expertise or you're a life coach or a relationship coach or sexuality and really tying the relationship, sex and sexuality relates to everything. You being a more dynamic version of yourself, not only is that represented in the bedroom in pleasure or like trying different desire is more dynamic than you realize. Maybe you do want to try kink or whatever it is, but you as a human being more dynamic and more connected to yourself is something that will impact every area of your life inside or outside the bedroom and the same skills yeah. and self-awareness and knowledge and communication required for that also have huge benefits at work getting a promotion knowing your own worth communicate like all of this right. everything is connected and impacted both as a negative consequence if we can't reach that point if we're kept from that and in a positive way if we can tap into and express that more dynamic version of ourselves oh my god it makes it makes you realize why women's sexuality has been so controlled for so long the power behind it oh seriously yes yeah. awesome. and they should be and they should be. <laughs> we're coming thank you so much for all of that and for yep. your incredible time here today and for everybody who tuned in thank you to you as well and for the comments and please be sure to check out our latest podcast episode with nadia and follow us to continue as we were doing here today, changing the culture and the conversations surrounding intimacy and relationships. So Nadia, thank you for being your beautiful, badass self. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye, Thank guys. you. Thanks again for tuning in and be sure to follow us on Instagram at bbxx.world for exciting updates and even more fantastic content. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, shoot us a text at 1-415-888-4742 or shoot us an audio, which we love, at that same number on WhatsApp. I'm your host, Sasha Laurie, and remember, I'm always here learning a ton myself right along with you.